2: I'd be glad to, Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis and RV Tom to round out the crew for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so um, a lot going on. Uh, RV Tom just got back from Key West. He was actually talking to us from Key West from Fantasy Fest last week. But he's back. He's recovered, maybe. I don't know. Uh do you need to borrow my liver or anything, Tom? Or how you holding up there, buddy? What do you think?
1: I'm doing good. I think okay. my, my body's detoxed after All right. All right. of of uh, <laughs> alcohol induced uh, fun. So yeah. And uh no, I'm just I'm good. I'm good. i okay. just uh, great right. every time you get out of Cuba. This is a great time. Between the diving, fishing, shooting and fantasy fashion, just being in the keys. It's always this I kinda of recharges your battery. I'm um, sure.
2: And he wasn't flying, so he was um you know, using that uh, flying time to drink. <laughs> so That's it was right. totally legal. Everything was good. But actually, there was a pretty big news story that happened last week. We didn't really get to it uh, last week. So we're going to talk about it this week, especially now that uh, RV Thomas had some time to kind of process the uh, the news. And this was from like the big cheese, the big kahuna at Vans Aircraft. He put out an announcement or a press release or something, basically coming out and saying, hey, look, uh, we're having some issues. And uh, I don't know, how would you uh, describe it in a nutshell there, Dennis? I mean, it was kind of a surprising admission, I thought. But what do you think?
3: Uh, Basically, cash-strapped, I guess is probably the best way to put it. There's just some severe cash flow issues going on with vans. You know, a lot of things have just kind of uh, snowballed for them, and not in a good way, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But he came out publicly and addressed it head on. So, I mean, it was kind of surprising to hear him be so uh, upfront about it. But in uh, and, and another side, I guess it was kind of refreshing uh, that it was being honest. Like, look, we're having some difficulties right now. I just want to get out there and address this. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it looks a little uh, shaky at the moment. But uh, maybe long term, he was thinking this would be the best way to go. Uh, you think, Dennis?
3: absolutely because uh there's you know the other way you could have gone was uh the company rotor x uh, the helicopter manufacturer they didn't acknowledge any problems that were going on and well no you know we're just slow on delivering kits and all this kind of stuff and all of a sudden you know the the news press starts digging into this stuff and boom they filed for bankruptcy yeah Uh, so you know they (laughs) i i guess i would much rather have them before you know upfront and honest and letting us know what's going on, which honestly has been part of Vans philosophy really since day one. They have been very transparent with all of their kits, their manufacturing, and that's probably why they're so endeared by the kit community. Yeah. Why there's 10,000 plus uh, Vans aircraft flying, including Captain Tom's RV nine. Right.
2: Yeah. Don't try to pull the wool over our eyes. Just be honest. We'll deal with it and then uh, move on. Is that how you feel about this RV Tom? What do you think?
1: I think a, yeah, uh, they came out you know, ahead of time before, uh, you know, the stuff hit the fan. I think it's great. And then, uh, you know, the big kahuna himself came out and said, Hey, you now we have issues and we're going to put some of our own money. You know, I, I can't imagine having a couple million dollars of own money back into the company to make them survive, which that says a lot for the product themselves. But, uh, Vans makes a great aircraft. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I love my little RV nine and right. just like my, uh, just like for the company I previously worked for. Velocity aircraft, they're a lean, mean operation, and it's tough for everybody now. Even down Velocity, when I go down there, you know, the economy, it's uh, its affecting everybody. And and prices, when you order something, you know, you give a, a customer a quote, and it comes back, and it's, you know, doubled in price. I mean, mm-hmm. the price of a, a Continental or Lycoming engine right now, you know, you're talking a 550 twin-turbo engine over $110,000 just for A 70 year old technology engine. uh, And every time we order something down there in Sebastian, you go to order something that's, it's gone up 20, 30%. And then the shipping's gone up, uh, you know, a little part that used to cost, you know, $22 to overnight is now $65 to overnight. So it's hard to, you know, you promise somebody a certain price and especially with vans multiplied, their operation is so big. Uh, you know, they get hundreds of orders every month. Uh, and other stuff comes from, I believe, uh Singapore. So the shipping right now, it's going from, from what I've read, you know, like there are $400 to $1,500 to ship that same uh, kid over to the United States right now. So yeah. it's, it's tough to, anybody's running a business. Uh, They're getting squeezed. Uh, yeah. You're getting squeezed big time. Now and, for uh, you,
2: you have an RV9 and it's, uh yep. you just got it all upgraded, painted, the whole thing. I mean, you're, you're set. Uh so this news probably didn't hurt you personally, but but you don't want to see them uh do badly because hey, you know, uh God forbid if it got any worse for them and they couldn't survive the little hurdle that they seem to be going through at the moment, uh that would be bad for you long term as a RV
1: owner, wouldn't it? You think? It would it would affect the you wanna to go to sell it, you know, maybe ten years from now or you right. know, God willing. Yeah. Uh, it'll affect it but but you know other ones glass air uh uh, lance air they they've all gone through the wayside and everything and they didn't come back but you know companies like uh velocity and Vans, hopefully they're going to be around for the next uh unteen years so right Uh, we need the experimental airplanes in the market here uh uh, because certified airplane the the prices are just crazy crazy money for for a certified airplane and Plus, uh, building their own airplane and being able to work their own plane, airplane is, is pretty cool in itself. Well, it really, so yeah. true.
2: And, I mean, I, they are the kind of the, the king of that category, aren't they, Dennis, when you say? Vans? Yeah, they
3: really are. I mean, yeah. the, the kit-built community is really the hub of innovation, unfortunately, in, in general aviation. I mean, they're able to try out and do things because it all falls under the banner of experimental. Our hands are tied when it comes to working with the Moonies. And Cirrus's and other aircraft like that, they have to go through the certified channel and all the testing and costs. Could that change down the road with the FAA mosaic? Um, and the new rules for light sport? Maybe, but still at the end of the day, the people that are actually innovating, coming up with new designs, new products, it's all been coming out of the kit build market. Just take a look at our autopilots. Um, you know, some of these new inexpensive autopilots originally started out as experimental only, and now they're being cross certified into GA same thing with the little uh, glass displays things like that. I mean Garmin's got a whole experimental division that did nothing but cater to the van's community basically and all of that's now flowing back into the GA market. Right.
2: And Dennis just so we're we're clear on this uh announcement that he shared with the uh industry, you know, I guess it's been over a week or two now. Uh I mean what do you think? I mean uh I mean I know it took you aback a little bit as as well as I but I mean, like I said, it's nice that he's he's tackling it head on. How bad is it, do you think, for them to come out like that and say this? Do you have any prediction or feeling one
3: way or the other? Uh, well, it, it's got to be bad enough for him to publicly come out and with a video. Uh, of, you know, of him, not just a press release and hiding behind it. So he had, to, he came up front, but he also said that for several months, he's been in, infusing money into the company out of his own pocket. So this has been going on for a while and finally reached a point that is no longer sustainable. Mm-hmm. So something had to change. And, you know, unfortunately it's been a, a perfect storm of, of issues at Vans, you know, they're, they're moving kits like crazy. They've got, you know, a lot of stuff in development, but they've also run into some problems in trying to scale up. They switched from traditional punching of uh, parts to laser cutting. Well, then it's turning out that that laser cutting process may or may not have affected some of the product quality. Customers were complaining that parts are cracking where the laser cut holes were, and they're thinking that that might be due to the heating of the laser versus the old school punching and drilling techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, That, coupled with some problems with uh, some of the quick build kits that came out of the Philippines, there was an issue with primer that when the people were working on it, they would sweat and that would uh, start a corrosion process that the primer was supposed to prevent. And all of a sudden now you've got a kit that's already uh, built and it's corroding where the two pieces of metal are coming together and you can't see it. People didn't find out about it until, you know, much later. So now Vans is having to do a quality control, uh, you know, try to correct that. It's expensive.
2: Well, they just got a lot of things happening at once. It's creating a difficult situation. But they're dealing with it and being upfront about it. I think that's a good sign. Hopefully that'll uh, bode well for the future at Vans Aircraft. More coming up on Just Plane Radio.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. For takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. See, you know, of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year, all the hiring for the new pilots, the main focus is going to be diversity.
3: <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> diversity? Not the best pilots you can find? I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time.
3: (laughs) Boring. When people are taking a trip on a plane, they need someone there at the wheel. A pilot has the training and the skills to fly so that everyone is safe when they go up in the
0: sky. The pilot makes sure that the plane's on its course to New York or Chicago or
3: Spain job keeps you ring it never gets boring. the trusty pilot flies plane. yes
2: the trusty pilot flies plane. this is just plain radio gregor co-pilot that's me along with captain dennis and rv tom navigating the latest aviation news and information and just keeping you up to date on our flying progress yes i'm still a, a perpetual flight student in training and uh I don't know. We opened up a possibility where I actually might be able to get some hours in Dennis's plane. We'll get to that in just a bit. But first we got to talk about is his plane airworthy because you, you, you are you already started the annual or are you getting ready to what's what's the status? No,
3: we are all done. It's uh, all done. OK. Ex- yep. The annual expired on Halloween. That that's mm-hmm. uh, October 31st is the uh Turn into a pumpkin date, which right. seemed appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so no, we got it all done uh, before the thirty first. So all yeah. treats,
2: no tricks, or how'd it go? Yeah,
3: no. She had a she had a couple of tricks up her sleeve, but nothing yeah. nothing major, nothing that slowed us down, nothing that needed uh, you know be sent out for parts, uh which was nice. Yeah. But it was kind of surprising. We we did have a few uh few little gotchas there, and you know. I, I sometimes I wonder why do we go through all this effort because we open up the panels, we look at the same things, and usually you don't have anything to do. It's like if you maintain and stay up on the maintenance, yeah, the annual really, it's just another, you know, another oil change basically. Right.
2: But what was but, the surprise? What did you find a candy corn uh, stuck in the exhaust but, or something
3: or what? No, no, this one was a little bit more interesting. Um, I don't know if I told you, but one of my neighbors here in the air park actually bought himself a Mooney two hundred one as well, and so. Yeah. Um, I I said, hey, you know, you need to come over to my hangar since I have the Mooney going up on jacks for annual. And since you're new to the plane, you should come over and sit in the cockpit while we have it on jacks so you can see how to do a manual gear extension. Because you have to release a little latch behind you and then grab basically it looks like a a rope starter off of a a weed whacker or something. And that you pull that rope several times and it will manually put the gear down. So. Mm. Great thing for a new student who's never done it to get in there and actually see how many pulls it takes and how it feels when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So we had him over to to do that, and as we we're extending the gear down, all of a sudden we get this loud bang. Like, was that you?
0: Oh!
3: <laughs> and the mechanic was like, uh, "What the heck was that?" And so we did it again. We pulled the gear up and then manually uh, extended it, and. Sure enough, it did it again, but this time both of us were down there watching. And here the landing gear door, the nose gear door, was actually catching on the side of the of the sidewall of the tire. Mm, That's just enough friction. Now, in flight, it probably would have never been an issue because there's so much buffeting and whatnot going on as you're flying, you know, ninety knots on final, right? Right. But in on the jack stands in the hangar. (laughs) There was no wind moving those around. Mm -hmm. So it turned out we needed to do a little bit of an adjustment on the gear doors after, you know, how many years? Uh, Apparently, things have drifted a little bit and needed a little tweaking. Maybe it was the new tires slightly thicker. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, good to catch it there. Instead of uh, in right. flight, right?
2: Well, is that something where you just, like, take a little lever and, like, bend it back slightly? I mean, it got uh, bent out of whack or what?
3: More or less. Uh, yeah. It's just there's a rod that's right. connected to the gear door, and you'd basically, you know, put a couple turns on that and mm-hmm. tighten the stop nut back up. So, yeah, it was just, you know, a couple little minor things like that. Had to... uh Put some new seals in the gas regulator. You know the fuel drain up in the engine compartment because there there was actually a little bit of leaking apparently going on. We could see a little blue staining inside the belly. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, very interesting when you've got you know half of your airplane's uh, skin is sitting on the floor and mm-hmm. you're looking at stuff that you haven't looked at in years and getting up there and greasing and finding all these little fittings. And
2: so after yeah. your uh, mechanic uh, did his thing and you were there with him pretty much the whole time, I mean, did he give you a, like a off the record? Comment like, hey man, the plane looks great, dude. Keep uh, keep yeah, up the he, good he work.
3: Really yeah, yeah, no, he said, yeah, you're doing a good job of maintaining it. Um, the airplane, you know, there's really no surprises here. There's a couple things we may want to do, maybe by next year. There was a there's a little bit of play in the nose wheel. We might want to look at replacing the bushing up there, and get the steering a little tighter. Yeah, but one of the other surprises we ran into was um, I had noticed the, over the last week or two that the vacuum system was not putting out enough suction the it was just barely getting to four inches and it's supposed to be over five
2: wait, wait are you trying to say your plane didn't suck enough
3: it didn't suck enough you know you'd think that with this show it would suck plenty <laughs> hey but, hey. there it is here we are uh so i had gone out and purchased a new vacuum pump because it's the only thing i could think of i had new filters to put on it and everything but It had to be the pump. That's the only thing that could suddenly cause it to drop over an inch of vacuum pressure.
0: Hmm.
3: Well, it turns out I was wrong and the mechanic was surprised as well because to put the filters on, you have to take the hose off from the vacuum pump. Yeah. And we found what looked like a mud dauber nest lodged in the inlet of the vacuum regulator. Hmm. Somehow it hadn't got sucked through the hose into the vacuum pump. It was stuck at the lip, but it was blocking almost the entire inlet. So there was not enough room. They couldn't make enough suction because this piece of, you know, sandy, hard lump of whatever was right. stuck there. And that's so one of those uh,
2: bugs yeah. that create yeah, the that little, little mud ball it,
3: kind of Yeah, thing. they block up pedo tubes and things like that on yeah. planes. But no, I mean, we like, how could it have gotten in here? The, right. the vacuum system's sealed. There's a... There's filters on the inside of it, you know. There was well, like how
2: you have your uh, you have your baby uh, garage. It's kept. in the hangar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so how how did the bugs get into it? You figure? You have any we idea?
3: don't know, and and maybe it was something that's been there a while because this airplane did sit out on a ramp for over a year before I bought it, and that was you know six years ago now. Well, yeah, but it would so have been maybe that old. You think it could have maybe it finally got knocked loose from inside the regulator because that's where it was going. It was from inside the plane going to the pump, mm. but it happened to get caught on the lip of the vacuum regulator. So, you know, maybe, but anyway, we took the piece out, saved it because it's kind of neat to look at <laughs> and uh, got in there with a you know vacuum cleaner and got the any little grid out. So we didn't suck that into the vacuum pump. And yeah, sure enough, we went and test ran it after everything was said and done vacuum pressures back up to full I have a spare 400 dollars pump sitting on the shelf now
2: mm. well you can't send that one back
3: I guess No, once they're, they're a one-way trip they don't take you. them back
2: yeah but but what do you do about that type of uh bug i mean is it do, can you put up uh like some ant bait kind of stuff or some kind of bug spray to keep them out of I mean that's what you you, you got to close up the pedo tubes and all that stuff when you're parking that's the only way they could get in there pretty much isn't it
3: well, and that's that's why you have the covers for your pitot tubes. Right. But on the vacuum system, there's already, there's a filter. They call it a garter filter. It's just a little foam ring that goes around the vacuum right. regulator.
2: Okay. Well, uh, you got to keep the bugs out if you want to keep flying. I guess the moral of that story. All right. More coming up on Just Plane Radio. Stay close.
0: Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice
2: as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
1: Six bucks in my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago. It's all intention of learning to fly
0: Conditioned, grounded, determined to try Gotta keep my eyes from the circling skies Tongue tight and twisted just about.
2: This is just playing radio, Gregor, co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis and RV Tom, rounding out the crew as we navigate the latest aviation news and information, and uh, keep you up to date on uh, Captain Dennis's flight instruction plans. He's got his plane airworthy; it's ready to go for another year. How much did it break you? Can you say what the annual ended up costing, or would you rather still waiting to
3: find out? Okay. He's like, no, me. really, he he told his, uh, his, he told me his wife was uh, still doing all of the, uh, the labels and everything for the logbook, But in the meantime, I got him to write up a temporary, uh, uh, that says this airplane's airworthy and inspected until right. we can get the final paperwork. But at least it's legal. I've got a logbook entry, so I'm covered. Right.
2: And, and how many hours you figure it took to do the annual
3: when he oh, came over? Probably about 12 hours. Wow. Oh, over a couple days. Yeah, he came yeah. in on a Friday afternoon and left by Saturday evening. Yeah. And then I spent another f- four hours on my back uh, with with a drill and a whole bunch of screws, putting all the belly panels back in. Because mm. Mooney apparently spared no expense at uh, installing so many screws into the belly of that plane. Okay, it was it's ridiculous. I well, probably a hundred in.
2: Well, that, that probably makes you feel good that it's uh, put together quite well then. It, It's
3: redundant. (laughs) Yes.
2: Well, there you go. I feel good about that. Look at the bright side, Dennis. And then you got some other big news this week. You've been looking at ways to uh, possibly do some of your flight instruction in your Mooney. And uh, the the question always isn't whether the plane is capable or you're capable. It's, well, the insurance company has let you do it. And a lot of times they don't want to cooperate. But you found a solution.
3: I, I did, you know, I've been having a number of people have been approaching me over the last year or more saying, hey, you know, can you do a biannual flight review? Can you do an instrument proficiency check? I'm like, sure. What airplane do you want to use? Oh, well, yours I was like, well, we can't do that. You know, I'm, mm. this is a personal airplane with personal insurance. And there's really there's no provision for me to instruct in it. So it, it's frustrating because with the flight school so busy right now, people can't rent airplanes they're just not interested in renting out to the general public because they've got enough workload with their own instructors and students that they don't need that outside income anymore. Hmm. So I see this as maybe filling a need, you know, people can come to me and get a biannual flight review and we can do it. You know, it's going to be dual instruction only because I don't want to turn the Mooney loose with, you know, just anybody, but I would love to be able to have them fly in my airplane. It's perfect platform for a flight review, maybe somebody that wants to get a, a complex endorsement, or even someone that wants to do instrument training or even in, instrument proficiency check. The Mooney's a great platform. It's got the autopilot. We've got the Avidyne, um, you know, displays in there. So it's fully set up for all IFR flying. So now I've got that option. I can just fly in an airplane that I'm extremely comfortable with, too.
2: Well, you were telling me the, just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, this really kind of blows. I. <laughs> I'd like to be able to do something, but I don't think I'm finding a fine solution. Because the first time you checked, it was like how much more it was going to. It was like going to double your policy or something.
3: It was going to more than double my policy. Yeah. The, the number that we were looking at was close to seven thousand dollars just Ouch. for me to be able to teach in it. Hmm. So I reached out to a friend of a friend. You know, because in the aviation industry, your neighbor turns out to know somebody who's an insurance broker, and uh-huh. one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden. We have a uh, Jerry Clemens going to bat for us with, uh, with an insurance company and he came back with a very reasonable upcharge. Right. So, uh, I was able to switch, yeah, insurance carriers to, uh, to global. And now, uh, my policy allows me to teach as long as my goal is not to turn a profit teaching. So in other words, I can't be renting the airplane out enough to make. All of the money that I would spend on it, and you know the mortgage payment on the plane and things like that. But as long as I'm doing incidental instruction, um, there's no surcharge. It's just I'm paying for my 12 month insurance policy. Well,
2: plus, yeah, you're
3: in the aviation industry. Is
2: there such thing as a profit? And <laughs>
3: well, yes, there is. You start with two million to right. make one million, exactly. Yes.
2: And so you found an insurance company uh, or a, a broker that actually understood. What you're trying to figure, you know, or work out, and and uh, you know, it's like anything. If you dig deep enough, you you can usually find a solution. Is that uh, you'd feel about it, or what?
3: That's exactly it. Because I was turning over a lot of rocks. I talked to one insurance company where I talked directly to an underwriter, and they said, "Oh, you're in a retractable gear airplane. We won't even write CFI." Forget insurance. about it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, well, excuse me. Can I ask you a question? You know, mm-hmm. if you're the, the the carrier you're you're determining risk. And the reason you don't want to write a policy is because too many people are gear-upping planes. Wouldn't it make more sense to write a policy to an instructor that can help educate these pilots to make them not do that? Mm -hmm. Get the recurrent training, actually seek out and uh, improve themselves, but they don't want to hear logic. They just look at the dollar signs.
2: Well, of course, they're insurance agents and that's what they do. Uh, insurance to me is uh, is is basically you know they're the house they're the casino. Yeah, that's going to say legalized
3: gambling. <laughs> yes,
2: it's uh that's the way I look at it. Uh, but uh, RV Tom, I mean you you got that new RV. Have you ever thought about doing that? You got all those skills. You could like do a little training in, in your plane if you wanted to. I don't think well. you do or can you? Oh, I can't because it's experimental. Because it's a, ding. ah really you can't. You know what that kind of blows though, doesn't it? Cause it's really high I, tech, isn't
1: it? Super high tech. Well, what I what I can do, like Dennis did for me you know, about uh, thirteen months ago, is check me out three hours and instruction, check me out on for an insurance uh so I get insurance. He so he gave me three hours of dual instruction. So, I, if somebody's getting an RV or mm-hmm. just finished building one, you know, I, I I can check somebody out on an RV six, seven, nine, ten, twelve, and fourteen. Okay, so I
3: can I can do that, but. It, yeah, but you'd have to do it in their airplane. Right. In their and their airplane. Crash. Yeah,
2: And that's just yeah. to benefit your insurance policy, to make sure you're covered properly. Is that it, too, Tom?
1: No. No? No.
2: No, wait. No, he, wait, 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 wait. You just said you had to have Dennis flying your plane, so you got uh, the proficiency rating for well, your Well, his aircraft. insurance company
3: required up? that he get transition training from an instructor that had experience in these vans models. And that's what right. Tom can now do since Tom's an instructor mm-hmm. and is flying a vans. But what we can't do is you can't rent an experimental airplane out. But the way I've got things set up with my policy now, I can actually charge so I can make some money back. So if I go fly with somebody, they can actually, you know, help pay for the maintenance and the inspections and you know wear and tear on the engine things like that for the time that they're flying the plane, right. I can actually legally charge for that, but I do have to now have a hundred hour inspection done on the airplane, so you know there's there's some additional cost to me mm-hmm. that I will likely have to have an additional basically an annual inspection done maybe a couple of times a year now, if depending how much I fly you know for hire right, but I have that option you know the the mooney could actually maybe make some of its money back instead of just being an expense account for me mm-hmm. but okay. Another they to the insurance company. You that's think pretty-
2: we'll ever uh, get to the cool. point, though, where you could take something like a new RV-9, like your RV-9, and, and use it that way? Or just we're never going to yeah, nah, never gonna
1: get to that level? No, we're never going to get to that level. This is a certification process, and that's why your Beechcraft, Cirrus, Piper, your Moonies cost so much money. It all has to do with the certification process. Mm-hmm. And so with the RVs, there's too much uh, RVs and every other experimental airplane. You don't know how how well it was built so you're you're opening up a can of worms here when you, when it comes oh, to wait structure. a minute you
3: built it it should be the best built airplane in the entire world isn't it that may be true but <laughs> the next airplane you look at you know you don't it might have been greg building it so you know there's there's what are you trying to say exactly Dennis? some inconsistencies between builders some are real good others mm-hmm. are learning and the AFAA wants something that's repeatable and consistent. So right. they don't allow you to rent an airplane to the general public unless it's certified, whether that's okay. LSA or that's
2: probably you know, well thought out thinking, which is something I'm sometimes not, trying to not used avoid. to it. <laughs> Yeah. All right, more coming up on Just Plane Radio, Let's take care.
1: nervous uh, never flown before nothing to it just sit back be a bird and drink up sometimes
3: i cry sometimes i fly like a bird
0: this
2: is just plain radio gregor co-pilot that's me along with captain dennis and rv tom rounding out the crew all right so we have a another situation with an air uh, airport you know uh, not a huge one well where is it exactly dennis it's Torrance
3: Airport out in California, out in all the right. L.A. area.
2: Okay, uh, it's not, but it's one of the smaller municipal type of uh, air, you know, airports, right?
3: Right. It's not LAX or, yeah. or Santa Ana, but yeah, it's still a reasonable size. It takes a lot of a lot of traffic, business, military, helicopter mm-hmm. flight training. You know, your typical GA airport. But the neighbors are complaining, and they, as they all do, yeah, and
2: they've passed an ordinance already. To say what exactly?
3: So the city council has passed an ordinance banning touch-and-go landings at Torrance Airport. Mm. Now, think about this for just a second. You have a city council trying to legislate how pilots fly their airplanes. The FAA has made it extremely clear that they are the only ones that can do that. So there's a fight going on. The city council is going to be spending a lot of public tax dollars fighting the FAA, and losing on this one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the worst part is they are impacting, you know, a flight school. The Sling Academy is based there. Sure. They're impacting Robinson Helicopters, which is the largest piston, uh, or actually, I think they're the largest helicopter manufacturer, period. They have their factory there. They're building, testing, and flying and training on helicopters there as well. So these are businesses that are affecting the local community, and they're, they're trying to hobble them. Uh, just because some people are complaining about the noise. Those people that bought their house knowing full well that there is an airport there.
2: Right. Well, you know, those touch and goes are obviously a huge training tool. And if you take that away, that means your local pilots in your area may not have as uh, much practice as they should. (laughs) I think I would be a little bit uh, weary of putting a restriction on those. Like, hey, I want you to practice as much as possible uh, so you can become the best pilot you possibly can.
3: I'll put up with a little extra noise, you know? Well, and think about it. You need We need more pilots. Every study from every agency around says we need more pilots, and you're restricting the ability to train those pilots. But yet you still want to be able to go on to Amazon.com and order your package and have it delivered there tomorrow, right? Right. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? It happens because of pilots that are flying freight, flying people. You want to go on vacation. We need pilots. We need mechanics to be able to fix the airplanes. All of those people depend on the businesses that those touch-and-go flights are being made by. Right. I'm I'm surprised
2: uh, the city council there even knew what a touch-and-go was. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's, that's almost a little too uh, much in the minutia of of aviation to even know what, what that is. I mean, could you, I mean, you got to tell, I guess, the tower that you want to do a touch and go, but how, you know, how do you uh, you know differentiate a touch and go between like, oh, I don't like the way this is looking, I'm going a, I'm to a go around. You know what I mean? I may well, have touched or I may not have. It's up to me. I'm the pilot in command.
3: I think technically a touch and go probably has a lower noise impact because the airplane's already got a bunch of momentum as it's climbing out. And as opposed to having to start from a dead stop where Uh you're trying to build up speed, it's climbing out at a slower rate uh, and farther down the runway, too. Right, right.
2: I I just, uh, you know, this whole noise problem we seem to be encountering, I don't know, it seems like once a month there's an airport somewhere, mostly in California, it seems like. That's complaining and wants to close down the local airport or put some extra restriction on the runway length or, or whatever. But all this noise stuff—I think you know that that's going to uh, technology is going to solve that eventually. Uh, you know whether it's because we went hybrid and electric and the engines are quieter, or you know there'll be some new technology that uh, you know cancels out the the jet engine noise and all that kind of stuff. You think? Are you with me on this, Dennis?
3: Gonna, no, I think the the what? problem is where somebody's going to have to actually follow the money and figure out where these complaints are coming from because you know the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that a lot of this is developers, you know, literally paying people to make complaints. Ah. It, how do you, how do you get 500 noise complaints a year at an airport coming from certain, you know, only from certain number of people? 500 po- complaints a year for a general aviation airport that just it's boggles me that people are that oblivious. So you almost wonder if developers are trying to create pressure on the city councils, get them to shut down the airports like they're doing at Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
2: I, I, you know, that makes more sense than uh, people complaining about the noise. I mean, like uh, you've said many times before, people move into homes and apartments and things near airports. where well, You're going to have aer- airplanes flying above you. I mean, that's just part of that goes with the territory and you get used to it. And of course you want it to you know, not bother you as much as possible. And I think every airport in the country tries to take that into consideration to a certain extent. But, yeah, all the complaints on noise, maybe there is a deeper issue in, involved here. It's not just, it's not the noise, it's something else. It's money, got to follow the money. That's, that's what Captain Dennis says, okay.
3: Yeah, and we're seeing that here in, in uh, Florida as well. I mean, Naples City Council just launched a study to determine if it is feasible to move the Naples Airport, because they're one of those that are getting five to eight hundred noise complaints a year, despite voluntary noise abatement programs and you know public shaming of of airplanes that See, come in no, after wait their a minute. curfew. That, that makes
2: and, no sense because Naples is kind of a retirement community, isn't it? So most of the people who are over eighty, can't hear anything anyway. How could it possibly be bothering them? Hey,
3: RB I'm going to tell or... Judge Judy you said that. Oh, she's over
2: 80, isn't she?
3: We don't ask her her age. <laughs> <laughs> but she's uh, one that flies in there. Right. Uh, her, her airplane's actually based there. Yeah. How um, could
2: it be more feasible to move an entire airport, though?
3: <laughs> well, but if you think about it, look at the location of Naples Airport. It's centrally located in the middle of the town, mm-hmm. very close to the beach and everything. The developers Convenient. are just... Well, yeah. at the mouth for that real estate.
2: Well, exactly. That may be. But it's also very convenient if you're uh, flying your airplane over there, too, isn't
3: it? Which is the appeal of Naples Airport, which is why you don't see people, well-heeled people that own private jets, that own expensive real estate in Naples. They don't want to go to Immokalee. They don't want to go to Fort Myers because it's a half-hour drive to get to where they need to be instead of five minutes.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. RV Tom, what do you say? I mean, you're over on the... uh, on the east coast of florida do you have any of those issues at your local airport or no what do you think
1: yeah actually we do we just had an airport meeting uh, a few months ago uh and, and it's funny to complain we got one guy that uh down the end of the road i live on newfound harbor by the tesla dealer there there's a sign that's right on a on a stop sign right below the red light all the time it says you know for noise complaints call the faa called there's one guy that's always complaining yeah uh we do have two flight schools and we're one of the busiest uh even though we're a non-controlled airport, we have you know hundreds of takeoffs and landings every day between the two flight schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, we had complaints, and it just galls me that there's two people that are complaining now, and they're airline pilots. They they moved right across from the Banana River, and uh, it interferes with their happy hour around four or five <laughs> o'clock. And their airline, he's an airline pilot, and he's. Complaining about the airplane take off and landed that they need to change their pattern. They need to turn, you know, earlier or turn later or change your, and this guy, you know, and yet he just moved here, uh, got coming up on three years ago. So he knew the airport was there. He's an airline pilot and he's making a lot of noise about the air. He's
2: making more noise than the airplanes are, Dennis.
1: Oh, yeah. So (laughs) it's just, you you just, you just never know what's going on. Uh, Yeah. We get, we get some complaints and we're just. We're just outside of Patrick Air Force Base. So if you turn a little bit more to the right, then you're in Patrick Air Force Base's uh, Base. Is, uh, Air- you
2: want noise? Air- I got noise for you. Yeah, we yeah. got SpaceX, And <laughs>
1: That's right. And we, had, we got SpaceX, we got Blue Horizon. And, mm-hmm. and this guy's worried about, I think we kind of shamed him so much. We He was in a, I haven't heard from him now in a, since uh, 4th of July or so. But All right, so you took guy. him out. You paid a
3: guy to take him out. I got you. All right, Dennis, what say you? So maybe the airports are looking at this from the wrong side. You know, we're always reacting to noise complaints and having to, you know, accommodate those no complaints. Maybe we go on the offensive. If you're a frequent complainer, maybe the airport needs to go and acquire your home by eminent domain.
2: Oh, there's a yeah. He, he's running for uh, airport HOA or something. On that disturbing thought, we're going to wrap it up. Till next time, remember, <laughs> there's no better high
3: than learning than to, to fly. fly.